0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Jones. Barron. He's got it. England have won the World Cup
1: by the barest of margins. Stokes flashes it away through the covers for four and England have won the match.
0: Hello and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket Live, looking back at the first day's play in the Test match between England and New Zealand, of course, at Lords. And uh, I'm very glad to say that this podcast and vodcast, because you can watch this uh, also on video, uh, if you are listening to this as a podcast, you can also watch a video of this uh, on both YouTube, the Analyst YouTube channel and also the Cricketer youtube channel um but as a podcast um we are going to be doing this every night straight after the end of play in the test match uh so that's the first day done england against new zealand and simon um it was a, a pretty good day for new
1: zealand generally well very good day for new zealand I mean, the only thing they didn't do today really was to really get away from england but they built a solid base i mean this is the way they play i mean in a way this is how england are trying to play you know build that solid base uh, you know, build it up gradually and then try to put pressure on England at the back end of the game and, that, and that's what they did today and it was it was Devon Conway's day um, a player making his debut not not only did he score 100 on debut he's also scored the highest score by debutant in, in a Lord's Test match beating Sourav Ganguly's 131 uh, back in in 1996 uh, you know fantastic an effort from him today so in, in a way sort of ruthless decision by new zealand to leave out tom blundell and bring conway in but they liked what they they've seen of of conway in well in international cricket, white ball cricket and also playing for wellington scores of runs for wellington in their in domestic cricket in new zealand you know straight in today must have been tough for tom blundell to, to miss out because he's he's done well in his test career so far but conway in and he's just blunted england all day
0: yeah i mean i, I both of us were, were working on BT during the winter, and I know I saw quite a lot of Devon Conway batting for New Zealand against, I think it was Bangladesh actually, mostly. And I, I saw him then actually, and I just thought this guy is exceptional. Um, he's got that uh, a very tight technique, but he's just got this hunger for runs, which so it seems that it's quite a often quite a South African thing. I mean, you know, Graham Smith was like it. Uh, obviously, Jonathan Trott, who was born in South Africa, was like it. Um, Andrew Strauss, actually, although he wasn't really South African, I suppose, but had South African parents, you know, he had that and uh, also Kevin Peterson. So, you know, it it just doesn't want to to, to give it up. He just looks like someone who wants to bat and bat and bat. Apparently, hits thousands of balls in practice and, you know, keeps the team bus waiting at the end of the the end of the practice session because he just wants to hit so many balls. He looked uh, almost as fresh at the end as he looked at the beginning. And the record he has, you know, sometimes you can use statistics to, to to back up something or predict something. And in this case, you know, his 18 first class hundreds in 100 matches. So one every five games. And some of those are massive scores as well. 327 in one game, a couple of double hundreds. Just looks like a, a, a guy who actually, I, you know, I played against Graham Hick quite a bit. Another, you know, Zimbabwean rather than South African, but again, almost like the the bat seemed an extension of his arms with Hick. And of course, he he scored 100 hundreds, didn't actually really deliver in test cricket, but was a a superb uh, first class cricketer. And Conway looks like that as well. He looks like he's almost born with a bat and the bat just sort of naturally is an extension of his arms. And he just gets into great positions. And uh, well, I mean, we can show you the uh, the, the impact he's had today, because um, I've developed this um, this graphic called who's winning, uh, which you can see, obviously, if you're watching this on video, but you won't be able to see on podcast, but uh, I'll be able to, do, to to explain it. And basically it, it tells you the pattern of the day's play and the percentage chance of winning at any particular point. And, uh, from the graphic that today at the start of play, obviously both teams roughly equal chance of winning. Um, As soon as New Zealand won the toss, the uh, percentage chance of New Zealand winning kind of went up, you know, a few percent. So they were sort of at 45 and England were about 35 percent. And then you can actually see the the, the key moments of the day, really. Um, Kane Williamson's wicket, which uh, at that point, uh, England were 25 percent chance and New Zealand were about 40. Um, But then came Williamson's wicket really sent the New Zealand situation into decline. And by the time that uh, Ross Taylor was out, they were down at uh, 35% chance of of winning and England had actually gone above them. The blue line of England had gone above the black line of uh, the, the, the Kiwis. So actually at that point, so halfway through the day when Ross Taylor was out, England were winning. They were on top, but it didn't last long and that uh, partnership between Conway and Henry Nichols just ground England down, so that in the end, England's blue line plummeted down to only 12% chance of victory by the end of the match, or by the end of this day anyway, and, uh, and uh, New Zealand were up to nearly 50%. But interestingly, the draw percentage was also up to 40%, indicative of a very flat pitch.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is a, it is a decent pitch. And I think we sensed that as well, that the conditions uh, leading up to the game were good for, for pitch preparation. And we've been very used to having Lord's pitches in the early 2000s, the first decade of 2000s, where it was good for batting. And, you know, you as the, almost as the game went on, it being flatter and flatter. And, you know, you, you could see a situation where a team could chase down a big score in the last innings, perhaps. You know, who knows, perhaps it might happen in this test match. But in, it seems to me in the last sort of decade or so, the ball has done a bit more at Lord's uh, for whatever reason, we, we and we've discussed it before, you know, the drainage, you uh, left more water on, trying to prevent it from, from getting really dry. Sometimes the floodlights have been on, the ball has swung. I don't know, the new stands made, made a difference. Perhaps, you know, the, all sorts of things anyway. Uh, but in this game, it feels like a good, a good pitch for batting, uh, generally speaking. Uh, new Zealand have exploited that with the way they play. Uh, we saw them play like this, uh, for example, saying Mount that the last test but one that england played against them where they, they just sort of ground england down bj Watling did it on that occasion and the, you know it wasn't a spectacular day and actually your who's winning uh graphic today yours. i mean in a way it's sort of you know it's it, it's quite a straightforward one to put together isn't it really because there weren't there weren't that many fluctuations in the day there was that moment when england got back in it i think with with the, the taylor wicket but New Zealand fought back hard and, you know, they've, they've got a great base from which to, mm. to build now. I mean, it's not, you know, it's unspectacular days cricket, 246 for three. You, you'd want a bit more, wouldn't you, really, from, you know, the first day back spectators here, six and a half thousand at, at Laws today. You, you'd want a bit more from it, nothing flashy at all. Uh, but you know, it, it, it's it's the sort of day in which Test victories are, are built on. I'm not saying New Zealand are going to go on and win the game, but the, you know, they, England have got this inexperienced batting lineup. New Zealand have got you know, good variation in their bowling as well. The weather forecast is pretty good uh, for four days. Uh, we'll see. I mean, there's going to be a challenge for England in that first innings to see whether they can, you know, respond with something uh, significant against this you know, New Zealand attack.
0: Definitely, I think uh, this New Zealand team are very much. Uh, in, in the mould of Kane Williamson. And obviously, he's a wonderful player to be able to, uh, you know, copy or emulate or whatever. But there, there's something about the way that Williamson defends the ball, which ultimately, of course, got him out today. The way he plays it so late, the play he plays it with soft hands, the the, the orthodoxy and total um, almost impregnability of his defence uh, with really precise footwork. And the other batsman really demonstrated that today conway definitely uh the the opener you know tom latham stuck it out for a while got out but you know he was looking really solid uh taylor looked pretty shaky i think his test career is sort of on its way out but uh but then henry nichols as well uh, batted up what, 140 balls for, for 46 you know and they're, 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 that, they that there were real there was real resolution all their strike rates were around 30 except conway uh, they were just absolutely determined to get stuck in. And it's how they play, isn't it? And, of course, we have got Watling to come, who's probably almost a, an even better example of that. Uh, the, the way that Williamson defends the ball with the sort of the half a bat. Um, I've got a bat here, actually. I've got a miniature bat, in fact. Um, the sort of miniature bat, is it would almost work as well because he plays it like with the, ball, the bat almost at more than 45-degree angle Um, so that the ball is just being completely snuffed out and will go straight down. But of course, ironically, it did cause his dismissal today because he played a ball from Anderson very late, as usual, but it just bounced a little bit and uh, hit higher up the bat than kind of it was ideal for him. And then it was a classic example of the slope having an unusual effect because the ball ricocheted off the bat and bounced backwards but would have missed the stumps. But the slope, because it was a ball from the pavilion end, just dragged it down into the off stump. Um, so it was a, an unusual influence of the slope, but nevertheless, it was one. And it was a it was a little sniff for England, uh, with then Taylor getting out. But they just didn't. I think to be fair to England, there it, it just wasn't much in the pitch really, and the the, the batting was hugely resolute and accomplished.
1: Yeah. How, how well do you think England? bowl today I mean it was one of those days when I mean normally in a test match day you know there's a drop catch or two drop catches when you know when it's when it's 250 for three you know there's a there's a drop catch or two and you look back oh if anything if, you know if only the, the fielding side had taken that moment but they didn't I mean there were very few edges that went near slip fielders very few there was not there was a bit of playing and missing but not a huge amount uh, it, and there was nothing, you know, there was nothing sort of flashy from the from the batting side particularly as well. It was it was a sort of day of, sort of you know of a, of a sort of like a flat line almost. There, there weren't there weren't those sort of fluctuations of highs and lows and dramatic moments. Um, but, but what what about England's bowling today and and their team selection as well? So no mm. spinner. Now mm. uh, Joe Root Joe Root did get one to spin, uh, there was a uh, an appeal for a, a stumping that was the batsman just got his uh, back behind the line, and that that did turn. And you know, it has been dry leading up to this game the last, you know, four or five days, and the forecast is good. No spinner for England, but they, you know, they went with Wood, Anderson, and Broad, and Ollie Robinson on his debut. So, so what about team selection and what about yeah. the way, way England bowled?
0: Well, I, 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 I'm always a little bit loath to to play a, a team without a spinner, but it, in in many ways it depends what the spinner or who the spinner is. And Jack Leach is a very honest bowler. I, I think he improved in India but he's not going to bowl a side out on a flat pitch or a, a pitch with a little bit of turn. And I suppose also, what might have also been a factor is that quite a lot of the top order of New Zealand are left-handed as well, you know, three out of the top five. So it's it's, it's one of those things where you think left-arm spinner to left-handers isn't that effective, and plus the fact that Leach is not... You know, He's not a gun bowler. If you had Graham Swan, you'd have if you had Graham Swan available, you'd play him straight away because he's a class bowler and also, of course, he's an off spinner, so he's spinning it away from those left handers. But I can see why they didn't pick Leach, and I think actually looking at the way the ball is starting to sort of slightly scuff on this pitch, it might reverse swing uh it, later in the game, which will bring the likes of Wood and obviously Anderson particularly into the equation. So, uh, you know, I I, it doesn't worry me too much, actually. And I think today, I think England bowled pretty well. I, I, I think I was surprised that Anderson and Broad started at the ends they started at, because Anderson invariably starts at the pavilion end, swinging the ball against the slope, and he's so good at that. But for some reason, today he started the nursery end and Broad was up the other end. And they, they looked more effective when they were back at their traditional ends, uh, Anderson got. Williamson out from the pavilion end where I think he should have started and Broad looked good from from the nursery end, where he's really uh, worked out of where bowling he goes slightly wide the crease angles it in gets the odd one to hold up etc so and and then the other guy I thought Ollie Robinson did well I, I I thought he looked good actually he looked um he was accurate he looked as if he was a guy who thought about how to get batsmen out and He's well known as someone sort of analyzes the batsman and thinks of ways of, of, of different strategies which not all bowlers do to be honest and i thought he had good control and i think he'll be a, a really good bowler for, for him like i'd like to, him to have a couple mile an hour more pace but he, he looked like a, a sort of a, an emerging josh hazelwood or someone like that actually somebody said Tim Bresnan, I I was sitting today, I was at the game today for half of it, and um, I was sitting with Sam Mendes, actually, the uh, film director, who's an absolute cricket nut. And he was remembering matches he'd seen at Laws in the 1970s, actually, uh, Viv Richards 100 and so on. But um, he said, Tim Bresnan, yeah. Uh, Ollie Robinson reminds me of Tim Bresnan. Uh, So I I think England overall, I, I think they bowled pretty well. And Wood, Wood tried so hard and uh, for that reason, uh, the uh, one of the things we're doing with this podcast is it, it's sponsored by the Tesmax sponsors LV Insurance, so it's the LV Insurance podcaster each day covering the test series, and um, they have uh, announced there's going to be a, an in with heart award, a with heart award every day that we're going to give uh, as part of their uh, brand strategy. Uh, and Mark Wood, for me, showed the most heart today, undoubtedly. So he wins the With Heart Award. I mean, he came in so hard, he bowled, I think the fastest over that's ever been bowled by an England bowler since records were first, uh, well, since all that stuff is, has
1: been recorded for the first time. I don't, what, what was the average speed, Simon, did you think? Uh, well, I in his first over, he, he hit Conway with a ball that was 94.7 miles per hour. So that was the sort of speed he was getting up to uh, early on today. Um, this speed, speed as the day went on, it, the speeds were down a little bit. Um, yeah, he, he, he roared in. I think we, I think we should. Um, I don't know if you want to say more about Wood, but uh, we, we perhaps should move on to uh, Ollie Robinson because there was another aspect to Ollie Robinson's uh, day today. Test day be a great day for him in, in one sense, and, and two wickets, two of the three to four, getting rid of Latham and then uh, Ross Taylor. But then, the middle of the afternoon, some historic tweets emerged of a racist and sexist nature. That, that, that Robinson posted uh, back in 2012 to 2013, he's, he's 27 now, he was 18 and 19 when he posted those tweets and after play today, he 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 was he spoke t- to the media, but before that he read a, a, a statement in which he said that he was embarrassed uh, by the, by, I'll quote it, I'm embarrassed by the racist and sexist tweets that I posted over eight years ago, which have today become public although actually in fact they, you know they are they were public they're there if you go back and scroll through i don't know if they've been deleted by now you know they they are they haven't been made public today but they've come to public attention today i think is is the way to say it so he says i'm embarrassed by them uh, he says i'm sorry and i've certainly learned uh, my lesson uh today anyway so there, so there we go so sort of, you know uh, you know ultimately a very difficult day for for ollie robinson um
0: it's, and, it's hard isn't it as well you're making your test debut and you know something like that comes to light. So excitement is rather uh, dulled by um, anxiety, actually, and obviously regret as well. Um, I mean, it's it's so difficult, isn't it? And you know, when you're eighteen, you're not thinking I'm going to make my test debut when I'm twenty-four, and these things are going to surface. Uh, it is a it is a warning, though, to just I suppose be careful what you do post. And I know you're very good at science. Uh, Uncle Uncle Simon Mann is very good at at telling me. Simon Hughes, not to post certain things. Um, you know, you do need a, a guiding hand sometimes. I mean, Ollie, Ollie Robinson's had a bit of a, a sort of checkered career initially, didn't he? He went from one county to another and uh, fell out with a few coaches. And he, he does very much cite Jason Gillespie as someone who sort of got him back on track. And he's obviously a fine uh, performer now. Of course, he's the stepson of Paul Farbrace, isn't he? Mm. The former England deputy coach. And uh, I mean, he's got a, a feisty nature, which of course you want for a, for a fast bowler. So I hope he can can overcome this, because you know, when you're 18, you shouldn't necessarily you shouldn't be judged by something necessarily that you did when you were 18. I think.
1: No, well, th- th- there is that aspect to it, but the other the other side of it is, you know, even when you're 18 or 19, why are you posting uh, this sort of material? Anyway, he's le- he's learned a pretty harsh uh, lesson today um you know these things do do come back and it is it is a lesson for everybody isn't it about you know what you what you put on social media well it's, it's- like that thing that you always tell your kids actually not to sort of
0: post uh too much uh, kind of um drunken pictures on facebook or something because i mean employers look at them now don't they employers yeah. look at your facebook um trail and you know will pick up a little clues about your personality when they're when you're in job interviews and so on so it is a it, you're right i mean you shouldn't do it but probably most of us i know you haven't but probably most of us have at some point
1: yeah well there we go har, har, harsh lesson and you know you hope that um well not, not just he's understood uh your, your responsibility you know whatever age you are but i suppose it's a lesson for for everyone as well but i mean you're you're right you you but you don't know what's going to happen to your career. But and for that very reason, um, you 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 need to. I suppose it's about edu- it's, I mean, I don't want to get moralistic about it, but it's sort of about education, really. Is understanding yeah. the medium medium you're using. Um, you know, f- f- from whatever age you are using it. Anyway, there we go. That's that's what's happened today after the day's play. Now uh, I want know. to give
0: you a bit of um, a bit of credit for for uh, Bristol today. Bristol making their debut <laughs> in the in the name of uh, James Bracey. Oh. And I thought he did really well. Mm. Um I, I, I thought he kept, I mean he has only, he's only kept in 16 1st class games. I think, is that right?
1: And he's not uh, he's not kept a lot.
0: No, and and I thought he I mean, you know, going to Laws, never mind the fact that it's a test match, Laws has always been a difficult place to keep mm. because the ball swings after it goes past the bat and dips and all sorts. I think he was lucky today that it wasn't much swing, so he didn't have that that horrible ball changing direction just as it's arriving but he did well I, I and he nearly got a stumping and uh, he looked totally competent I mean he didn't look like he wasn't Jack Russell but but he looked good I thought
1: yeah I mean obviously we didn't we didn't see him much uh, uh, with, with a turning ball I mean that's, that's one thing you're judged yeah. against uh, uh, as a keeper of Ben Folks you know we saw him play in the winter uh, with the turning ball in, in India and you know he's, you know, he's an outstanding uh, wicketkeeper folks, I'm, you know, must be really, I'm so disappointed to miss out here because this was his opportunity and, you know, whatever happened in that dressing room, he slipped on a sock or whatever, did his hamstring and so surprisingly James Bracey gets his chance batting at seven, which is sort of bizarre as well because he's, he's essentially, essentially he's the top order batsman who keeps really, isn't he? I and mean, he's been keeping for Gloucestershire this season because the um, keeper they had last year went, went off to Worcester, so he's you know, got his opportunity to keep as well and then suddenly he's, you know, he's, in, he's thrust into a Test match as a keeper and and batting at seven. So I mean, it's a sort of strange occasion for him uh, when he comes out to bat. England would be hoping it's on Saturday uh, rather than uh, tomorrow down there at number seven. He's the first, uh, if you want to be parochial about this, he's the first Bristolian uh, to play Test cricket uh, for England's men since uh, 1989. And that was who, Yoss? can you remember? The first, 1989? Um, he's actually curious. The match referees. Here's the match referees. Oh, so, so it must be Chris Broad then. Chris Broad, yeah, Chris Broad. He he was um he was born in Bristol, of course, then moved, you know, we we think of him as being a Nottinghamshire player, but of course he started at Gloucestershire, was born in Bristol, uh, went to Colston School, um, and then he moved to Knott's and Stuart was brought born in in Nottingham, so he's a you know sort of. Nottingham I'm just i I'm yeah. just
0: dying for for. Stuart Broad to get cross in an appeal or <laughs> some kind of DRS, and for his dad to have to fine him. I mean, well, that wouldn't, be, wouldn't that be beautiful?
1: Well, the, well, the other thing, of course, is that you know, is Stuart is the vice captain. So, if Joe Root got an injury, then you you know, you might have you might have Chris Broad have to take action against uh, the England captain, who's his the son, slow you know, overrate. <laughs> or whatever. I don't know. You know, well, it was a slow over today, yeah. so you got well, you, you know. got that scenario. Anyway, so it's a COVID, it's a COVID situation. Anyway, so uh, James Bracey, first Bristolian. Uh, since 1989, there were a few people on on Twitter who sort of um, saying, "Oh, what about uh, you know Sid Lawrence or or uh, you know other Gloucestershire players who played um, uh, recently?" But uh, Sid was born in Gloucester, so he doesn't count. John Lewis was born in in Aylesbury. Mike Smith was born in Dewsbury in Yorkshire. Remember Mike Smith who played that one Test match and he had Matthew Elliott dropped by Graham Thorpe at slip and on, a, on he hardly made any, and he went on to make 190 or whatever and won Australia. Yeah the test match but uh you know jack russell was born in stroud so you you know before uh, um chris broad you have to go back to the 60s david allen 1966 john mortimer 1964 arthur milton in 1959 and names from the past who are he was he was was, yeah he he, he played for arsenal arthur milton and uh he also he also played for bristol city as well he might have played for the um the blue quarter of the city as well i can't i I'm not, I'm not sure about that. Anyway, so, so you know, there are not many Bristolians uh, no. to, to have played, uh, not in the last, uh, you know, 50 years anyway. In fact, only two now in the last 55 years.
0: And, and just to continue that parochial theme for, for one more minute. Uh, interestingly, Dean Conway has spent a lot of time playing cricket in Somerset, hasn't he? De- Devon Con- Con- Conway. Con- Sorry, I said Dean Conway, didn't yeah. I? Dean Conway was the England physio. Um, Devon Conway, Uh, Mm. he he went to Somerset Taunton Dean Club uh, Mm. following uh, from or being kind of incited, encouraged to go by his mentor, Jimmy Cook, who, of course, played for Somerset in the early 90s. Wow, he was a hell of a player. I mean, another another South African who just wouldn't give it away. He just batted and batted and batted incredibly. And um, I, I felt the weight of his bat a few times, actually. And he induced uh, Devon Conway to go down to to play in Taunton, and then he played club cricket in Derbyshire, and he's he's been all over the place. I mean, he's a he's a batting evangelist, I think, Devon Conway, and he's he's proved uh, the the value of, of being obsessed by batting today,
1: hasn't he? Well, he's, he's waited his time He's they to qualify for New Zealand, but they still had their eye on him for a bit. Last time when we were there, they were, you know, there was this talk of this, this guy, Devin Conway. So it was like, 18 months ago when England lost that series uh, 1-0 in, in New Zealand. And, and today uh, was his day. So then, Yoz, uh, first day, uh, spectators back, first day of test cricket of the summer, the sun uh, shone. Um, you know, lo- lovely day in a way, the cricket could have been more thrilling but it's it sort of set things up nicely for New Zealand how, how do you just finally how do you see this game now after the the first day and feels as though England are under a bit of pressure I agree potentially in this game yeah
0: I, I think they are I I think um you know New Zealand what 240 odd I mean they need to get 450 to mm-hmm. to be really kind of sure I think it's quite a hard pitch to score fast on it's yeah. not right, quite coming onto the bat yeah. and the outfield not quite as as quick as in some years as well definitely definitely so, so you know i think 400 450 will be the new zealand target and england will be under a lot of pressure uh, as as our um win graphic who's winning graphic shows uh, at the moment you know in new zealand a sort of 50 percent chance of winning and england at 12 percent. so that tells you the balance of power um what england needs that for that new ball to do it do its work and keep new zealand to sort of under under 400 So, uh, you know, and then they've got a hope of at least trying to draw level, but yeah, yeah, a lot of pressure with an unproven England batting order or at least, you know, some quite inexperienced players and a, a good bowling attack, good New Zealand bowling attack. I don't think that Santner, the left arm spinners are going to have a big impact. So,
1: gonna be a long well, work. He might, he might not. He might not to start with yours, but yeah, who knows? Maybe what, later. Yeah. Who later, knows later. by the fifth day? Yeah. Uh, that that test match, the New Zealand one in Mount Manganui, uh which and this pitch is sort of a bit similar, really, sort of an attritional sort of pitch. Yeah. Uh, Santner yeah. came into it on the final day, I and mean, he hasn't got a particularly uh, stunning record. He's sort of like a he's like a sort of batting spinner, really. um You know, lends some power to that lower order, some sort of, you know cohesion to that lower order. But you know, fifth, fifth day, I, mean, I have yeah. seen the ball. Spin at Lords uh, when it's been yeah, dry. Yeah, well, mowing yeah. has taken fire with yeah, the Lords. absolutely, abso- absolutely. So yeah. that that's the source. That you know, that's the slight concern. Uh, for England, but of course, New Zealand have got to get into that position first, where they are, you know, where England are batting last, a long way behind, or you know, chasing a, a lot of runs for for victory in the final innings with, with time as well. Obviously, you might well need some time. Anyway, th- who knows? The game can speed up sometimes. You, you know, it looks like a it looks like a five-day game, doesn't it? You know, going the distance, mm-hmm. but sometimes things can change very quickly in this game. Now, what was it
0: like um, in the commentary box today?
1: Well, oh, it was lovely. first time
0: Laws back for for the first time for a couple of years.
1: Yeah, it was the it was the first time we've been in the commentary box here since the uh, the Ashes Test match when Ben Stokes made hundred on the final day and Australia was sort of clinging on at one one fifty four for six uh, that uh, that golden summer really when um, you know, England won the World Cup as well and the, the first wicket today uh, Tom Latham bowled by Robinson for twenty three the first wicket in front of a crowd in England since Josh Hazlewood was dismissed by. A leech in the last ashes series the last wicket of the oval test match in september 2019 well it was, it was great to be here i mean i i hope i think i i hope for more you know more exciting thrilling cricket uh, in yeah. in the next uh, three or four days um but yeah. it might it might well you know continue to be attritional england might have their work cut out to you know to make something of this game i mean my one just my one final point to make i mean one one uh, it sounds like quite a pessimistic thought to to end on but my one thought this summer is uh, New Zealand are a good side and India are a very good side coming you know could really disrupt England's plans for the Ashes in the in mm-hmm. the summer. Uh, in what were those people summer. getting dropped and things? Well yeah you know well succeeding. good yeah, yeah. Good, new, good new ball bowling undermining yeah. the you near know, the top of England's order you know Mike so it, the, the challenge is there for the likes of Sibley and for Burns and for Crawley to you know get some get those first innings runs. Um, and sort of, you know, and and build a build a strong case really, build some confidence really during during the summer because it is going to be a challenging summer uh, for England and New Zealand, a good side, and they they've shown that today. Albeit, in, you know, if England had batted first today, you know, they would have hoped to have been in a similar position after this first day. That you know, the conditions were in favour of the side uh, batting first today.
0: Yeah, I, I must just say, uh, I, I went to Lords this afternoon, and I just thought the newsstand. Which cost i know 50 million it, it looked worth it it was empty because because or at least the top bits of it were empty because it actually wasn't quite ready after all this time but it did look magnificent and it really gave the uh the, the feeling of specialness about laws because it it kind of almost encloses that end uh i was with the uh, mcc chairman a bit today general corbett who's very uh sort of outspoken about the importance of the new stand and it does really, it's a, it's the most important thing that the MCC have done, probably in terms of the, the ground for, since the Moundstone was built. So, you know, for like 40 years and it, it really does add a, a special nature and, and it just feels like it's a proper stadium now almost. It yeah. feels more like a, almost an amphitheatre really, which is, which is fantastic. And uh, so, you know, credit to, to all those who, who got involved, and although it wasn't a full house, it still spelt, it, it. still felt like the home of cricket today.
1: It felt really, really special, actually. Some people can get some serious sunburn in that stand if they in the when the sun shines oh, in, in the true. afternoon in the future. So if you, have, you come to Lords, you got a ticket for the upper Compton or Edrich. Make sure you bring your sun cream. Make sure you bring your sun hat, and make sure you bring your sunglasses. That's my 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 Thank closing you. my closing tip. Thanks, Dad. Thanks,
0: Dad, for that. Um, I, I know you always do worry about all our uh, all our supporters so your sympathy and, uh, and warnings are, are well heard. We'll be back uh, at this time tomorrow for a review of the second day's play in this LB insurance test series between England and New Zealand. Hope you've enjoyed that and thanks for listening and we'll speak to you
1: tomorrow.